so a lot going on over in the country of Lebanon right now um, last week they had a huge explosion at a facility that was excuse me while I take a drink there uh, was housing 2,750 tons of uh, ammonium nitrate and it's kind of just been a, a big it was kind of like the breaking point for a lot of people in Lebanon uh, they just came out of civil war 30 years ago uh, and decided on this parliamentary style government but Lebanese oligarchs which is like a, another term for really wealthy people um, it's actually a Russian word for wealthy business tycoons that are basically corrupt um, they have such a control of the Lebanese government and are basically squashing the rights of the average people um, the Lebanese Prime Minister stepped down and said that the corruption is bigger than the country of Lebanon itself and that he and his cabinet could not fight the corruption from within and he wants to join the people on the streets in fighting the corruption. Now, uh, there are people calling for the resignation of the entire parliament. Uh, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about the entire Lebanese parliament, to be frank with you. Normally, when the government steps down, it's new elections across the nation in a parliamentary-style government, like Great Britain. Um, if a prime minister gets a vote of no confidence, uh, a new, they go to the queen and say, we need to call for new elections. Um, Lebanon does not have a queen. So CNN's uh, reporting that Lebanon's government stepped down Monday night less than a week after a massive explosion killed more than 170 the death toll keeps rising the last time I talked about this it was 160 uh, wounded more than 6,000 so that number's gone up from 4,000 a few days ago Prime Minister Hassan Daib Daib addressed the nation announcing his resignation and that of his government in the wake of the blast which he called a disaster beyond measure in an impassioned speech Diab berated Lebanon's ruling political elite for fostering what he called an apparatus of corruption bigger than the state state is a another political term for country you know like we're the 50 United States of America well 
you know, Russia, we call it a country, but in political terms, it's called a state. Um, the prime minister went on to say, or former prime minister, I guess you would call him now, uh, went on to say, we have fought valiantly and with dignity, referring to the members of his cabinet between us and the change us and change is a big powerful barrier between us and change is a big powerful barrier he said Diab compared Tuesday's explosion to an earthquake that rocked the country uh, we've decided to stand with the people he said violent protests erupted outside the prime minister's office and a run up to the scheduled speech Monday evening Dozens of protesters hurled stones, fireworks, Molotov cocktails at security forces who responded with several rounds of tear gas. Some demonstrators tried to scale the blast walls. That's, those are walls that are meant to protect a building from a blast, like a car bomb. Uh, they tried to scale the walls outside Parliament Square. That's where the Parliament resides and works Lebanon has was already suffering through the worst economic crisis in decades coupled with rising virus rates and a government and the government has been plagued with accusations of corruption and gross mishandling mismanagement pardon me uh, there's a link in the description on YouTube to that article if you want to read the rest of it um, this is, uh, you know, a common thing. Um, I mean, you know, come on. We talk about in America, drain the swamp. And, you know, different people have different opinions of what that means. If you ask a liberal, it means get rid of all the Republicans. If you ask a Republican, it means get, you know, lobbyist and political money, uh, political action committee money out of Washington. Um, I shouldn't say ask a Republican because some of us even take PAC money and lobbyist money. But if you ask a conservative, you know, they want money out of government because, you know, a lot of these people, right or left, they've made a very rich career off of being in government, insider trading, things like that. And these oligarchs who control the Lebanese government, they are fighting with, um, or not shouldn't say they're fighting with, they're you know, paying off politicians just straight up in Lebanon to keep the oligarchs control over whatever industry they might have, you know, get government contracts and things of that nature. Uh, you know, same thing happens here in the United States, but in a small country like Lebanon, you know, where people are, you know, hurting, it's a lot worse. Um, and, you know, I'm sorry, but if you live in America, you can overcome the corruption in government and do your own thing. And Lebanon 
it, it's not that way. Just like in Russia after you know the fall of the Soviet Union uh, and things like that in the 90s when the mafia ran Russia, okay, they had these oligarchs, and even into the 2000s um, until Vladimir Putin, give the devil his due, got in there and took some control back, uh, whether you like Putin or not. Uh, you know, that's what Lebanon needs. And how they can get it is a, a very difficult thing. You know, I, I feel there's going to be, you know, some sort of another civil war or bloody conflict in Lebanon. So that, that's scary. Um, feel bad for the Lebanese people. I hope that the ones who need to flee the area and get asylum can. I hope that uh, we are able to get aid into that country after this bomb blast. Uh, if you're looking at this video on YouTube, uh, there's a NASA satellite photo of the area impacted by the bomb blast, or the, and I should say bomb blast, I don't know that it was a bomb that started it. Something started a fire in one building and that fire spread to a second building that was containing things from ammunition to fireworks to this uh, 2,700 tons of ammonium nitrate. And ammonium nitrate is what uh, Tim McVeigh used when he blew up the federal building. And he may have had like less than a ton so you can imagine what 2,700 tons would do. Uh, it, it wiped out a big part of the city. I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a small atomic bomb when I saw it go off. Uh, you know, people were with their cell phones filming the fire, and then suddenly you see this mushroom cloud and this shock wave coming at you and wow it was scary I couldn't imagine being there so um, you know kind of thoughts and prayers with the folks of Lebanon you, you know we, we talk a lot about China and we just like ch the Chinese communist or you know some of these uh, Middle Eastern governments like Iran you know or you know Lebanon or Syria the average person on the street of those countries, I would bet you, isn't that much different than the average person on the streets of America. We can't paint everyone with a broad brush and say because their government is bad and corrupt that the people are bad and corrupt. I mean, they, they do the same thing to Americans. Uh, you know, in China, there's huge propaganda machines by the communist government putting down Americans in general. Uh, you know, we shouldn't do that to people from other countries because, I mean, you look at Hong Kong. They're, they've been kind of considered a, a subdivision of China, even though they're, they want their independence. They're supposed to operate as an independent state. And, you know, those people in... Hong Kong are waving American flags and singing the American National Anthem because they want the freedoms we take for granted. So, 
speaking of taking for granted, um, we have a presidential election coming up. Of course, Joe Biden has chosen his running mate for the election, Kamala Harris. Uh, now the next big thing is the party conventions where these people will, where Joe Biden and Donald Trump will officially become the nominees. Uh, the Democrats have said they're going to do their whole convention virtual, I guess. Uh, last I heard, anyways. The Republicans are going to do some things uh, on the virtual scale. Trump is looking for a place to make his acceptance speech. And as you know, Trump likes to do things big. And he says now he's narrowed it down to either the White House or the Gettysburg battlefield. So, reading an op-ed from the Clinton News Network. Man, I'm getting a lot of my information from CNN. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm sick. I don't know. So, Manisha Sina. As a Civil War historian, I am appalled. Uh, let's see here. After tr the article starts out, after President Trump said Monday, he would likely either accept the Republican nomination from the White House or at Gettysburg, uh, CNN opinion asked for, asked for, a number four, prominent Civil War historians to share their thoughts. So, let's see what Manisha says. Read like a little paragraph from each of them, maybe. <laughs> President Donald Trump has recently announced he would like to deliver his acceptance speech for the Republican nomination for the presidency, either at the White House or Gettysburg Battlefield in Pennsylvania. It is no surprise that Trump is eager to overthrow all presidential norms and use his official residence, the White House, as a backdrop for his convention address. Trump has floated the ultimate clause of the Constitution, and his family and administration officials have ignored the Hatch Act, which prohibits federal employees from using their public office for private gain with impunity. That would be mild compared to the potential illegal and certainly unethical transgressions Trump of the Trump administration and its efforts to bolster his chances for re-election. As a Civil War historian, I am however appalled at the idea Trump is entertaining the, of using the Gettysburg battlefield as a prop for his acceptance speech. Well, okay, yeah, it was the bloodiest battle in American history, uh, and it there is a cemetery there, but it's a huge, huge area. Uh, I've walked the, the Gettysburg battlefield, and you really can't walk it all in one day. I, I took a college trip there, for class and we went there by bus and we were bused to certain areas the professor wanted to show us 
uh, you know, certain hills and peaks and how the Union got the high ground. The Union got there first, and actually they were called the Army of the Potomac, but most people call them the Union Army. Uh, they got to the high ground first and put their, you know, cannons on hills and established bases on hilltops and things. Uh, and it's a huge, huge place. So there's a lot of places other than the cemetery. Obviously, Trump is not going to do it. I, well, I hope not. Gosh, only knows with Donald Trump. He's not going to do it from the cemetery section of Gettysburg, which will be sacred. Uh, you know, he could do it from the front of, like, the Welcome Building or something like that, the Visitor Center. Let's see what this other guy thinks. Matthew. Hold on, I gotta relight. Matthew Pinsker. The crazy thing about the prospect of President Trump accepting his party's nomination at Gettysburg is that it's not as crazy as it sounds. The battlefield at Gettysburg invokes solemn emotions, but President Lincoln's 1863 to Pennsylvania was political too. The National Cemetery dedication occurred on a Thursday in mid-November. Originally, Lincoln was supposed to arrive in the morning, but he uh, counter-mandated counter -mandated official plans and arranged to come up the day before. The National Cemetery was actually a state-driven effort sponsored by Union states whose native sons had died during the battle. Most of the northern states, their advisors and traveling press were there. It was a sombering occasion, but also a little festive and quite political, almost like a convention gathering. The president, the president, he's talking about Lincoln, kept a reasonably low profile when he arrived. That was Lincoln's style. But his top aides went out to get fed and get drunk. <laughs> we know because one of them, future Secretary of State John Hay, kept a historian's dream of a diary. He reported details from the evening right down to uh, ballistic confrontations he observed between leading, a leading Philadelphia newspaper editor and some of the townspeople he felt were ungrateful in their apathy toward the president. Remember Gettysburg... So yeah, Lincoln's speech 
was even um, a bit political in uh, nature, you know, four score and seven years ago, and, you know, talking about the founding of the nation, which is what Trump will probably talk about. Um, I don't feel that this is inappropriate, just because, you know, the the Republican Party is the party of Lincoln. It's the party that saved the Union. It's the party that ended slavery. And when we're talking about a nation that's divided among you know, racial lines right now, thanks to the liberal media, uh, I feel like if you, you know, Gettysburg was the decisive battle in the Civil War one of the decisive battles. It was not the final battle, as some people think. Uh, even I have thought that until, you know, duh, recently. But anyways, uh, you know, Gettysburg is a solemn place. It's a place where many people died to end slavery and oppression. And I, I think, you know, following in the steps of Lincoln, maybe that's where Trump should do the speech from I I think you know maybe the steps of Independence Hall or inside Independence Hall in Philadelphia might even be a better place um, just saying you know stay away from the battlefield and all of that um, I don't feel the White House is the right place to do it just because that's the president's office um, but, I mean, this is a, a difficult time. And, you know, the one uh, op-ed writer there, Minsha, Min uh, she said, you know, doing it inside the White House would be, you know, a breach of uh, the Hack, Hatchet Act or Hack, whatever, Act. Um, so, where does he do it from? I think there should be a live audience, a live crowd. You can socially distance and they can have masks on and stuff. I think he should have his family behind him, you know, um, and treat it like a convention speech. I was bucking for Wellsville, Ohio, where I live personally. He, you know, he can come in my living room here and we can you know, YouTube it, and, but I guess that's not going to happen. So, um, I don't know, man. Tell me your thoughts and feelings and so on about uh, Lebanon. I, I've been getting a lot of my, not my news, but my leads from uh, Mia Khalifa. Leave it to me to get news leads from a Lebanese girl who used to do porn. But uh, she's pretty cool. She, I bet she's a nice person. Um, and, you know, let's face it, we're grown-ups. Who, everybody has sex. We shouldn't hold her former Pornhub career against her. Um, and, you know, I don't know, I feel bad for the Lebanese people, you know, um, with all the corruption, the explosion, uh, the virus is terrible over there. Uh, we've sent aid to Lebanon through, uh, you know, medication, ventilators and such. Uh, to help them out, um, and, as well as Trump helping his own people. So, <sighs> wild, wild times in the wild, wild world, folks. Hey, uh, 
follow me on Parlor at the Real Big John, all one word. On Twitter at the Real underscore Big John. On all the podcast platforms, Panic Attack with Big John, as well as here on YouTube with Panic Attack. Panic Attack with Big John. Uh, like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. Tell me how much you hate me down in the comments. Have a good time. God bless you and pray for one another. Let's jam out.